Welcome to a muzzled chat. I have a really awesome guest here today. I hope you all <clears throat> sit down, relax, enjoy this man's words, his presence. Because last I was in conversation with this man, he's got such an amazing, positive, spiritual energy. He's been on fire for God. He's a man that's lived a full life. You got a lot of awesome stories. And I mean, if all goes well and you enjoy, like I was saying off air, being here today, would love to have you back and dive more into that. In fact, we not like not like I'm some spring chicken here, but you know, you got some years on me you if you're doing things right you should acquire more wisdom right and it's i could learn a lot more from my elders right and we all could you know from the younger ones to me uh even the ones that date you we we that would be wise for us to tap into those sources so without further ado folks I welcome Arthur here on the Unmuzzled Chat Podcast. How are you doing today, Arthur? I'm doing very well. I'm excited about what God is going to do here today. Yes. Wow. So we'll open with prayer. Perfect. I'd love that. Wonderful Jesus. We come before you today to thank you that you were willing to come to this earth, become a human being, take our place as our substitute, pay our price and suffer the penalty for our sins and rise from the dead so that we could live a new life in you. We thank you for it. Hmm. We pray that you would be with each and every one who's listening today. May your presence surround them, wash over them, and impact their lives for the better so that they could impact the lives of those around them for the better forever. Amen. Amen. For the better. Wow. All right, podcast is over. It's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) Arthur, thank you. That was a beautiful prayer. Thank you for that. So, I was born in 1955. I'm 68 years old. My family were not church-going people. They were God-believing people. They believed that there was a God. And maybe that's why I always had that innate faith that God existed. But I never talked with Him. I never communicated with Him. But I do remember my first conversation with God. And that was when I was probably eight or nine years old. Um, There was a church right across the road from where we lived. And a new pastor had moved in, him and his family. And they were moving into the parsonage. And I noticed that there was a young boy there about my age. And so I went across the road over to to their house and knocked on the door. And uh, Johnny came to the door and I said Johnny would you like to come out and play he said let me go ask mama and so he went back into the house and uh, pretty soon mama come to the door and she said Johnny can't come out and play with you I said what about tomorrow she said Johnny can't come out and play with you ever hmm hmm And so I turned around and walked across the road and back to my yard. And I remember walking across the yard and I'm talking to God and I said, God, I'll be anything you want me to be in life. You know, and I'm thinking firefighter, policeman, mailman. (laughs) All my family were auto mechanics. So, you know, I'll, I'll be that. You know, whatever you want me to be, I'll be in life. Just don't make me a preacher. Because my idea of what a preacher was came from that woman. Oh, wow. And so that was my first conversation with God. 
Well, as time went on, mm. <clears throat> I had been living with my grandparents since I was five. And at 10 years old, I went to live with my dad. Uh, he had remarried. And uh, after a couple of years, I guess they were having marital problems. I didn't realize that at the time. But my stepmother wakes up, and she wants to go to church one morning. Never been to church. Didn't know what that was about. Hmm. But we put on the best thing we had, and off to church we went. That day, at 12 years old, I heard the gospel message about Jesus Christ and him paying my price on that cross. Hmm. Now, my grandparents gave me a wonderful uh, desire for the truth. And so when I heard that message, I knew that was the truth. Wow. Now, this, this preacher... At 12 <clears throat> years old. Yep. Guys, don't you love how, in just show prep, I was like, Arthur, this is what I want to capture. Some of your story, your presence, what I felt. It, you were a gift to me in that moment and going into the season like how desperate we need to accurately yeah tap into this light right and the kind of the why question why we're here and fulfill our purpose and this so i just kind of prepped him a bit and off he goes there he runs with the i this is this is awesome i'm sorry uh and so just diving back in that uh childhood neighbor so it was it was that mother was like no you're not to play with him ever due to you not being a believer yes that's what it was and mm. I'm, I'm assuming that when they uh, became the pastor of the church they were probably told about different people in this area where we lived interesting and uh we can't do that that's not healthy that's not loving that's where Organized religion can get it so wrong, right? And it can cause scars. So my hat's already off to you that at 12, you're putting things together in your own way. Now, just to back up a little bit, you know, years later, my grandfather told me that they had come by and invited him to church several times, and he was almost ready to go, but they never came back. Interesting. And so they had written this family off as someone who would never be saved mm. and no you can't johnny can't come out and play with you ever you gotta constantly tend to the garden to see when that tomato's ripe yep for picking so the preacher has preached mm. i'm 12 years old he's got everybody with their eyes closed and their head bowed, and he's making a, an opportunity for people to come forward and accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I'm wanting to do that. I've never heard anything like this before. But who wouldn't want to receive this Jesus? Mm -hmm. And so now he says, um, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, raise your hand. So I raise my hand. Then he says, uh, you know, he keeps talking a little bit, and he says, okay, if you raised your hand, I'd like you to stand up. So in my little mind, I'm thinking that everyone has raised their hand. Who wouldn't? Mm -hmm. And now I'm standing up, and I'm thinking everybody in this building is standing up. And I can tell that he's, he says he's going to invite us to come forward in just a, just a few minutes. And so I'm sitting next to the aisle anyway. And my dad and my stepmother are sitting next to me. But I'm thinking they're standing up, too, along with everybody else in this building. Hmm. And I'm inching my way out to the aisle because whenever he gives the word to come forward, I'm going to take off running. Because hmm. I don't want to be at the end of the line. I want to be right at the front, you see. And uh, so standing standing there, and I can tell he's getting close to opening that up to come and... Uh, with both my eyes closed, I open my right eye, and I look around in the congregation, and everybody's sitting down. So then I felt a little better, you know, wasn't going to be a big, long line. <laughs> so I closed my right eye and opened my left eye, and I looked around. Everybody over here was sitting down. 
And so I kind of craned my neck around where I could see my dad and Linda. And they were sitting down, and my thought was, they should be standing up. But then he gave the altar call, and I was able to walk that aisle. I didn't have to run. I could walk down there. And they led me in a prayer to receive Jesus as my Savior. Mm. Now, there was no trumpets blaring, no fireworks going off, no voice out of heaven. But I had invited him to be my Savior that day. Mm. And I wanted to come back to church. So they would bring me and drop me off and then come back and pick me up later. But they never came back again. And then after a while, I quit going. We found something else to do on a Sunday as things happen. We so often humanly do. When I turned 17, I began dating a girl and never even thought about church. But her parents one day said, Arthur, if you're going to be dating Pat Steady, we'd like you to come and go to church with us. And I thought, I got no problem with that. I've been to church. I know what that's about. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was a Pentecostal church. Mm. These were a little different. These were tongue talking people, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And uh, that first, first night in that church service, when they're just singing, you know, for the choir, they're, they're, they're singing that not just the choir, but the congregation is singing. And mm-hmm. they're all standing up. And they got their hands raised in the air. I've never seen this before. And there's people all around me talking in this other language that I'd never heard this before. Right. And there's some other guy running around the building. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, my good gracious life, what's going on here? <laughs> These guys are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Teach his own. And... Um, <clears throat> After that service ended, uh, and when they started giving the altar call, I was out the door. There was a door right there close to where my pew was, which was close to the back, and I was out that door. And uh, whenever Pat came out, I said, Pat, I can't do this. She said, we better talk to Mama. (laughs) So after church, we went home uh, back to Pat's house and uh, talked to Mama and Daddy. Uh, Jake and Margaret Weeks. And um, they said, Arthur, uh, Steve, he's dating a girl, and they go over to the Methodist church. Would you mind going to the Methodist church one Sunday and then coming back over here the next Sunday? And so I agreed to that. I figured that Methodist church, maybe it was close to what I had was used to when I was 12, and I was. It was very similar. Um, but after doing that for a month or so, I began to notice, and this not to put off on methods, people, that, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, they're, they're good people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I noticed that these people over at this Pentecostal church, they had something that these other people didn't have. Mm. These people at the Methodist church, they were there to like do a duty to say they had been to church. The preacher, you know, they, they would have two songs. The choir would sing two songs, and then they would take up an offering, and then he would preach. And when that minute hand got close to noontime, he wound her up, beat it down to the front door, and was there to shake everybody's hand as they left. Mm. At this other church, there was nowhere else these people would rather be. They were at that church every time the doors were open. Mm. These people had something. Well, without thinking about it, I just began going to this church every Sunday. Hmm. And I remember that first December, December of 72, uh, Margaret and Jake, uh, we were there celebrating Christmas, Christmas Eve, and they gave me a Bible. And I remember thinking, what? A Bible? What do I want with a Bible? I'd rather have a pair of socks. <laughs> and um, I still have that Bible. Well, and and uh, so that was 1972. And so this is around July, August of 1973. And 
they are having a two-week revival at this church. They have a new minister come in to preach this, this revival, an evangelist. Uh, they call him Brother Duncan. Hmm. I remember Brother Duncan. He was a tall, lean guy. You know, back then we didn't have wireless mics. Your microphones had cords. And uh, yep. God bless Brother Duncan. He brings his own cord. Okay. And uh, that cord would reach from the front of that church. I believe it would reach out past the doors. Oh, there we go. Going out. And he used every bit of that cord. Wow. And um, Brother Duncan, when he started preaching, he would preach back and forth in front of the pulpit. And there was two aisles. And all of a sudden, that guy took off running down that other aisle over there. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? And then the next thing I know, here he comes running down my aisle. And I'm sitting right there next to the aisle. Mm -hmm. And I just know he's going to run down there, grab me by my collar, jerk me up, and say, you are a sinner. Because the whole time he's been preaching, he's been talking about me. Right. Now, he wasn't specifically... That's the way Holy sure that's, that's the way the Holy Spirit was working in me. Right. Wow. I can <clears throat> relate. And uh, I was sure glad to see him run down that other aisle, and he did that several <laughs> times. But then I was always anxious when he come running down my aisle. And um, at the end of his message, he began to give an altar call like that day uh, when I first received Christ. Head bowed, eyes closed. Raise your hand. If you raised your hand, stand up. But I kept my head bowed and I kept my eyes closed, <clears throat> but I didn't raise my hand and I didn't stand up. Hmm. But when he closed that altar call and he kept holding it open and holding it open and holding it open and finally he closed it and I really think he was holding it open for me. But when I opened my eyes, what a difference between that service, that first service and this one. And this one, Almost that whole building of people had gone down forward to either receive Christ for the first time or to recommit their lives to Christ. When I opened my eyes and I saw that, I just leaned over and put my head on the pew in front of me. And I said, I think this is going to be pretty much word for word. God, I do want to be right with you but I don't care anything about being a Christian. Now, what I meant when I said that was, I don't care anything about going to church all the time, toting a Bible, talking about God whenever you get a chance. I don't care anything about that. I like to hunt. I like to fish. I like to uh, be out water skiing. I like to just be on the lake. I like to be in the woods. There's all kind of things that I like to do. I was not a big sinner. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I'd never had sex. You know, mm. that that's where I was at. And um, and I said, but, and the, the thought of being that way makes me want to throw up. I said, but I do want to be right with you. And these people mm. say that when I just receive you, I won't want to do the things that I do now. Hmm. And I don't know if I want to not want to do the things that I do now. Right. Forgive my bad English. No. <laughs> but I'm just being honest with God. Right. I said, but I do want to be right with you. And I don't care if being right with you means shaving my head and wearing a robe. If that's being right with you, okay. Wow. I said, I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead three days later. I believe that. So I'm asking you to come into my heart and life and change me, knowing that if he didn't come into my heart and life and change me, I couldn't change. Oh, I could try to do that if I had some reason to try to, but mm -hmm. I had no reason to try to because I had there was nothing about it that I wanted or liked. I liked the people good enough. They were good people, honest people, would never do you wrong, would never steer you wrong. So I said, if you can come into my heart and life and change me and make me want to be that way and like it, okay. Forgive me of anything and everything that has ever separated me from you. Come into my heart and life and change me, knowing that if he didn't, I would never change. It was had to be something on his end. Mm. 
And when I open my eyes, I'll say it this way right now. We may talk about what happened later at another time or afterward. But when I opened my eyes, I just, I stood up for some reason, but it felt like a thousand pounds had rolled off my shoulders. Mm. My sins, everything that had separated me from God, things that I didn't even know were wrong, everything that had separated me from God was gone. He was in me, and I am in him. Mm -hmm. It was a born-again experience. Right. It's an undescribable gift. Undescribable. Blessing. And what I experienced there, which I'm not going into right now, is every born-again believer's reality. Whether they feel anything or not, this is what happens to them. They're translated from darkness to light, from death to life, from being an enemy of God to being a child of God. John 1, chapter 1, I can't remember the verse, says, To them that received him, he gives the power to become children of God, Hmm. even to them that believe on his name. Believing is receiving. So, that day, see, I believe I was saved when I was 12, but at 18 years old, when I surrendered my life to him, he became Lord, Lord of my life. Mm. And you know, if he's not Lord of all, is he really Lord at all? Mm. If we're not willing to surrender everything to him, wow, is he really Lord Mm. of our life Mm. I like that yeah thank you for that 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 just spoke some things to me yeah because in ways for lack of better words I've been half-assing some things and that's to my own detriment that's what we don't even realize. Like in this mortal existence, it becomes very hard and challenging to trust in a being. And but that's the thing. There's so many folks that talk about, and I believe you were even one of them. Where it's as real as we are to each other, sitting across from this very small little table, right? But it takes. A big leap of faith and work and seeking and and everyone's experience is gonna be a little different right to experience that and understand that but there's no one we can trust entirely in this existence other than him right you know crazy the human being was created to have fellowship with god to be able to walk and talk and communicate with god to commune and fellowship with him Mm -hmm. without any sense of inferiority yeah you know genesis that's that's what it is he's not not king of kings like we would think of a king a ruler in this existence like he's your greatest champion he's in fact there to assist you to uplift you to bless you it's it's, he said i didn't come to serve or to be served but i came to serve right when he was washing the disciples feet the most menial task right You know, in John 3, John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. And he says, you must be born again. Hmm. Look at that little word, must. Must. Be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of heaven. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. <clears throat> if you want to be able to perceive the kingdom of heaven, hmm. you must be born again. 
it's so interesting because one side of this existence like to try to grasp this is like our battle here is not of the flesh so much of what i've been focused on and doing here on a muzzled chat is the wars being waged in the flesh all roads do lead to god and the evil one that is here that is ruler of this world right it, but the Bible says that our battles of the spirit of principalities and spirit, right? Principalities so, and powers, yes. Yeah. So it's interesting if, if folks could really humble themselves and go down the road that leads to accountability and peace and it just feels good feels good it's challenging but it feels good it feels right and then the other one is more less accountable you're you end up pointing the finger oh this isn't me this isn't me and you're trying to get rid of your burdens you're not facing anything that is deceitful that is evil those are those evil entities literally whispering destructive things into your mind into your spirit into your subconscious leading you down this road of a weaker existence getting lost outside of the light and truth. Let's go back to the yes. garden. Adam and Eve. Yeah. At that time, they were. it says they were created in the image and likeness of God to look like him and to act like him. The only mm. difference between them and God was he's God and they're not. And Lucifer comes in the garden and deceives them, lies to them, mm -hmm. convinces them to disbelieve God and to believe him and to do what God said not yes. to do and do what he said to do. It's so easy for all of us to fall prey to that on so many different levels as we walk through this existence, that very scenario. So every day mm. when we wake up, we are faced with the same decision that Adam and Eve were faced with that day. Right. Do I believe what God has said mm. or do I believe what a lion, thief and murderer said? Right. Jesus said that about him. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Wow. Pointing back to this garden scene, you see. If you want to know the way, why things are the way they are today in the world, you got to go back to the garden to see the way things were before sin. Mm. When the law of sin and death came into the world, things began to deteriorate and people began to hurt one another and lie against one another and murder one another, mm. steal from one another, rule over one another. Wasn't it Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel? Yep. First, first gen, like being born on in in this earth. And why did Holy. why did God have respect to Abel's offering, but not to Cain's offering? You see, it says that Cain brought from the uh, field. Yes, the fruit of the field. <clears throat> now it doesn't say the best there, but when it says about Abel bringing the best of his flocks, he says Abel also brought the best of his flocks. See, Abel was a shepherd. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Mm -hmm. So it intimates that Cain also brought the best of his harvest, and Abel also brought the best of his work, what he did. He was a shepherd. Why did God accept Abel's offering but not Cain's offering? I'd love to hear it from you, Arthur. I'd love to hear it. Because... The scriptures declare that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Oh, wow. And wow. So, God, so that's where, yeah, even biblical, like there were all these sacrifices before the ultimate sacrifice Jesus made. And all of those, it took all of these, it took the burnt offering, the bread offering, the peace offering wow. the sin offering the trespass offering i it, never understood that before it took all Thank of you took all of these different offerings to show what christ was going to do in one hmm. 
what he right. did on the cross for us. Yeah. You see, in the garden, it says that, that God gave Adam and Eve animal skins. Where do you think he got those? Do you think he just went out there and jerked the hide off of a lamb and left the carcass laying there mm-hmm. and gave them some skin? No. There was a sacrifice made. The lamb was brought in. Adam would have laid his hand on the head of that lamb, symbolizing that his sins, mm-hmm. his life, was being transferred to this innocent substitute, wow. going to take his place and die as his substitute, this lamb. But it was twofold. This lamb also represented God, because as God, he could not die. So it was a substitute for God. Adam would have been transferring Adam and Eve's sin, because when you're married, you're one. As Eve's substitute, he's transferring their sin nature now because they received the nature of the enemy of God instead of the nature of God. They're transferring that to this innocent lamb. Hmm. That's what happened on the cross when the scriptures say that Jesus was made to be sin with our sin. Hmm. He took our sin nature upon himself. What happened in that moment on the cross? In that moment when he's made to be sin, you'll read this in Matthew and Mark and Luke. Luke records it a little different. It's beautiful how he does this, though, because he makes up what Matthew and Mark leave out. See, Matthew and Mark say, "Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. See, there was something of God in Jesus at that time because he was fully human and fully God. Okay, God is a spirit. The second person of the Trinity had become flesh, but he also had a human spirit and a human soul and a human body. And in that moment, he was forsaken of God and he was left in his humanity on that cross. John says, and he cried out a second time and gave up the ghost, meaning he died. Luke brings out what he said in the second time. He said, Father, I commit my spirit. This is Jesus in his humanity now. I commit my spirit into your hands. Mm. After he was made to be sin with our sin, he went to the place of the dead. You know, Mm. (laughs) this gets bigger as we go. At one point, we're just going to have to cut it off and go another day. But let me try to bear this out. Because when Jesus went to the place of the dead, suffering our penalty and our punishment, there was a predicament in the spirit here. Because the scriptures say that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance, meaning that what God has given you, he will never take back. See, he's given every human being a life. Mm -hmm. He will never take that back. You will live forever somewhere. Hmm either with him or without him. Wow. So um, Jesus, the Father, said that the Father has given me the power to lay my life down and to raise it up again. But now he is saying to the Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. In essence, returning the gift that the Father had given him, the authority that God had given him, and the Father can't take it back. Jesus has said, I will not exert the power to raise myself from the dead. Hmm. Thank God for the third person of the Trinity who only does what the second person of the Trinity says. Oh, we get into the Trinity. It's big. But because it had been written, you will not suffer your Holy One to see corruption. That was four days. The Jews, Jews determined that on the fourth day, the body would be corrupted. Mm. You could you could expect somebody to be raised from the dead the first three days, but four days yeah. ain't happening. And so in the scriptures, it said you will not allow your Holy One to see corruption. That's Jesus. He's the Holy One of God. And there's other places that talk about him being raised from the dead. Well, because it was written, the Holy Spirit could exert the power because the scriptures say if the same Spirit 
that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, that same spirit will quicken your mortal body. Hmm. Not your dead body. Speaking about the resurrection, that will certainly be some exerted power then. Right. But it's that, that Greek word is not referring to your dead body. It's referring to your body today. Hmm. That's the only reason somebody can be healed of an ailment. Is because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will exert that power in your mortal body, your death-doomed body. Wow. So, back to the garden. So, God would have had Adam bring in a lamb. They've never seen anything die, except now sin and death has affected everything. Everything had begun to deteriorate, going towards dying. They could feel it in their own bodies. They were separated from God in spirit. Mm. They were afraid and hiding from God. And the Lord comes walking in the garden and says, where are you? He doesn't run over there and grab them by the nap of the neck and toss them out. He says, where are you? He wants them to come to him. Right. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, the Lord must wait for you to come to him. Mm. He was waiting for them to come to him. Did he know where they were? Absolutely. He knew where they were. Mm. But See, even for people today, the Lord waits for them to come to him. Why? So he can judge them? No. Scripture says the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. Wow. He cares about you. He wants you. He needs you. Think about that. God needs me. What does God need from me? And we're just in that mortal, vulnerable state, feeling naked, right? We're not clothed. Who said you were naked? You know, like it's, wow. Remember, Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Follow me, and I will make you. He said that to fishermen. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mm -hmm. Well, what about Luke? He was a doctor. Follow me, and I'll make you a doctor of people. You know, Mm. not physical people physical doctor maybe because he was trained in that but i'll make you a spiritual doctor healing people's spirits Hmm. healing people's souls you know what are you doing today see god god wants to take you if you'll come to him and make you something greater than you could have ever imagined so in the garden this Hmm. this lamb would have been brought in adam would have put his hand there his his all of his wrongdoing, and not just his wrongdoing, all of his hopes and aspirations for life would have been transferred to that animal. Then that animal would have been killed and offered as a burnt offering, Hmm. completely burned up. Then there would have been some grain, some bread offering, symbolizing that his body, Adam and Eve's body, were given to the work of God. You learn this in Leviticus. (laughs) <laughs> Leviticus, what a beautiful book. I used to read through it just to get, get away from it. You know, it was in the lineup, so I had to read it. I didn't care to stay in it. I just wanted to get out of it. But I spent nearly two months in it here uh, just a few months ago. Two months in the book of Leviticus. Wow. Wow. Tremendous book. It just really started speaking to you then. That's where I'm getting all this. That's <clears> wow. And so then after the bread offering, you know, you're, you've surrendered your spiritual life to this, to God. Now you're surrendering your physical life to God. Mm -hmm. Then comes the peace offering. Now, with the peace offering, you lay your hand on the head of the lamb. Now, you do have to kill your own animal. You know, when God, when Jesus, God who became a human being, Jesus, came, humanity killed him. Mm. You kill your own sacrifice, you see. He died for the sins of the world, you see. Whosoever will can come. As many as received him, to them that believed in him, you see. So you slay your own lamb, then you skin it out, you quarter it up, and then this goes on the altar, or the priest would take those and put them on the altar. But here, you share a meal with God, Hmm. and you eat this meal symbolizing that all of the holiness and the purity and the innocence of this lamb is being transferred to you. Hmm. And then you eat that flesh of that lamb and it goes in your body. 
And so whenever we believe in Jesus, his purity, his innocence is given to us. Hmm. And all of our wrong, our sin is transferred to him. That's what happened on the cross. Wow. It's a beautiful exchange. We get the better end. Yeah, we do. We're, n- We're not deserving, but that's just it. There's some amazing things that have been said about that that aren't coming to mind right now. But <laughs> I hear you. Wow. I mean, we're only so it's 40 minutes and the thing is we can we can go in chunks. Um you have been sharing some amazing I mean, you could direction like wow, some depth to the Bible, to Jesus, to the beginning, to the plan, you know, God's love. There's so much to tap into. That's where I, man, I'm just excited to get some of this out, see how you feel about it. And it could just be a a whole spin off and give us some direction on more conversation. I'd I'd love to have y'all more. Um, Let me say this. uh, Yeah. The Bible. You see, they had given me a Bible December 24th, 1972. By July or August 1973, I've had this experience, and having never read the Bible, I began reading the Bible. I believe you mentioned that that thing's pretty much falling apart now, but you still got it. Well, I'm on my third one. Okay. But it's been 50 years reading the Bible. Wow. And I'm, uh, you can call it OCD or whatever, I read it from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm in 2 Samuel right now. Anybody who knows about the scriptures, or if you don't know anything about the scriptures, get you a Bible and go through it, and you'll see where 2 Samuel is. But I read it from Genesis to Revelation. Why would you ever start to read any book in the middle or at the end or anywhere in between? You start at the beginning and you go to the end. Right. If you want to get the big picture. Yep, yep. And and then I'm, and it's the living word. You can't go through it enough. It, it speaks to you differently every stinking time. <laughs> you see, the way you treat the Bible, see, Jesus called it the scriptures. He called it the word of God. And if we treat the Bible like it's a common book, well, that gives us a pretty good idea of where God is in our life. He's relegated to somewhere out there and... We can't really know God because we have no way of knowing him. But he's given us these scriptures. And Jesus said the scriptures cannot be broken. And it is they that speak of me. Hmm. And I'll tell you somebody else that speaks of. It speaks of you. Have you found where it's written of you? Jesus said in the volume of the book, it is written of me. Have you read in there where it's written of you? Hmm. Oh, I have. Wow. I've read where it says, the things that I do, you will do. Me? I've read where it says, as he is, so are we in this world. Hmm. Hmm. Amazing things. New creature in Christ. You're a new creature in Christ, a new creation. Mm Mm-hmm. You are pure and holy as you stand before him without a single fault. Mm. See, because uh, Colossians one twenty two, because of his cross, what he did on the cross, because of his cross, he's brought you into his own presence and you are pure and holy without a single fault as you stand before him. Mm. Me? Pure and holy? <laughs> I don't see it. You see? But that's what the scripture says about me. That's the only way he and I can have uh, communion and fellowship because he has no fellowship with darkness. He has no fellowship with sin. Mm. And so because we're a spirit, we have a soul and we live in a body. See, that gets into another topic. Because most people, when they talk, most teachers, everyone I've ever heard, when they talk about spirit, soul, and body, they show up like a, a target that you shoot bow and arrows with. Mm-hmm. They got an outer ring that they say that's your body. Then there's an inner ring that they say that's your soul. And then they got this bullseye down there that says that's your spirit. 
Mm. Wrong idea. It's a good analogy. I, I, I don't want to fault them for that. Mm-hmm. But wrong idea. Because Jesus said, when he was in John 17, and he's praying, he says, Father, I would that, that uh, they be with us where we are. I and them, and they and me, and I and you, and you and me. Mm. When you're born again, you're connected to God in a way that you've never been connected to God before. And in spirit, you're connected up with omnipresence. He's everywhere all the time. You're hooked up with omniscience. That's all knowledge. Hmm. You're hooked up with omnipotence. That's hmm. all power in the spirit. And if we can get our soul connected to that idea, then we can begin to do things that we've never done before. Right. That Jesus said, the things that I do, you will do also. Hmm. Mm. So, you see, in the spirit, we're connected to God. We're much bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. Right. Yeah. Then our soul, you see, we're bigger. Our soul is bigger than our body. Our soul is connected to people, places, and things all over this world. I'm connected to people in Africa, Florida, right. Alaska, people, places, and things, life experiences my soul is connected to. Mm-hmm. And when I walk into your life, all of that is having expression through this little bitty body. There's much more to me than what you see. Right. And there's much more to these people out there listening right. than what people see. You're much bigger on the inside than you are on the outside, and that is a better idea than this little bitty target. That makes sense. Yes. Wow. I hope that sure resonates with some of the listeners because the whole spiritual, I mean, that's a thing. Like I, I mentioned on this podcast before, I have yet to meet an atheist that entirely denies all like uh, spiritual there there's a spiritual experience in this life right like every atheist like there's there's some type of spiritual something some type of unexplainable scientifically unexplainable connection in this existence and you know some people just maybe get a sliver with uh, of that you know with the whole kind of hippie thing and nature you know cuz god's he spoke life into everything, you know, so there's a sliver of truth to all of that, but they're capping, they're really capping the real deeper connections to be, be had. Um, wow. So when the Bible has its proper place in your life, you'll find time to be alone with God. Right. You'll find time to study the scriptures. I have, I have work to do. This spoke to me. You're very biblically learned, and I, and not that it's a competition, but my goodness, I'm I'm a, like excited to do more of my due diligence in that. Just to give you um, maybe something we could talk about later. See, I've been to heaven. I've been to hell. I've had the Lord walk into my room on four different occasions. One time, he was dressed in royal robes. He spoke to me in an audible voice, and that audible voice reverberates from eternity, past, present, and future. Hmm. Uh, In in Revelation, John talks about uh, when he spoke to him, it was like the voice of many waters, the Hmm. sounds of many waters. It's hard to describe the audible voice of God. Within it, it carries the power to do what he says. Mm. That same power is in the Word of God when it's believed. The Word of God has the same power in it when it's believed and acted on. Mm. He's appeared to me three times in a row dressed in a white gown, sat on the edge of my bed, talked me all night long. He said, well, Arthur, you were dreaming. Yeah, I've had dreams. I've had dreams. <laughs> right. I was looking at him like I'm looking at you. But anyway, that's a whole other story. The thing is, is, you know, when I tell people these stories, they want to know, well, what about me? Can those kind of things happen to me too? Oh, yes. And I would say greater things than these can happen to you. Right. If you're willing to surrender. Right. And sacrifice. You see. It's. 
that's just it. Like it's, how is it a sacrifice when it's to our betterment? You know, so sacrifice is like for a lack of better words, but it takes time. It takes dedication. It takes us out of what the world would have us strive for, you know? You know, to sacrifice something that's beneficial to you and give that up so that it benefits another, that's a sacrifice. Yeah. To say, not my will, but your will be done, that's a surrender. To, to give something up that hurts you so deeply and it impacts you for the rest of your life to do without that so that another can benefit from that. You see, hmm. how much sacrifice and surrender are we willing to do? Are we willing to push away from the table and fast? Hmm. Are we willing to sacrifice time and spend in prayer? Yeah. Have we have we wept? Have tears come out of our eyes for the things of God and not for a new car? I want a new car. Oh, I want a girlfriend. I want a boyfriend. Oh, God. Have we been willing to weep tears to know him better, to love him more, to hear his voice clearer, mm-hmm. to walk closer to him, to hunger and thirst for righteousness? Jesus said, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. Seek not the things of this world, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Right. We must be honest with ourselves. We must acknowledge the paths that lay before us and the one that truly feels right. Let's go back to Cain and Abel for a minute because okay. you're, you're touching on something there. See, Cain wanted to come to God his way. Right. Yeah. But well. God had already laid this out with Adam and Eve, and so Abel was coming to God God's way. You see, all ways don't lead to God. Mm. <clears throat> but now God is at work so that your path of life, he's doing everything he can So that you can be led to him. But you have to hear him calling you. Most people don't take the time to listen. Wow. Or they think, I want to to do it my way. Mm -hmm. You know, Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. I hope his way helped him out. Hmm. I know that God is a merciful God, but we can't do it our way. We have to come to him his way. By the way of the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Hmm. Without the shedding of blood that Christ did on the cross, there's no way you could be born again. There's no way your nature could be changed from the nature of the devil to the nature of God. From being a child of the devil to being a child of God. Hmm. Only the power of Jesus' blood can do that. Otherwise, we go through life thinking that if if I can just be good enough, I'll make it. If you've broken one of God's laws, you're guilty of breaking the whole thing. Hmm. But Christ came and, and fulfilled the law. That's why on the cross he said, it is finished. See, many theologians say, well, it was finished right then. Well, you know what? If it was finished, he should have just come down off the cross and said, okay, boys, it's over. Let's go. Right. But it wasn't over. No. No. What he could do in fulfilling the law of all righteousness for our sake he was pure and holy as it was. He didn't need to do it for us or for him. He did it for us. Right. Lived the perfect life. That's given to us. That righteousness, that holiness, when we make that exchange where he takes our sins and our wrongdoing and doing things our own way to receive doing things his way. Mm. There's only one way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Right. He said the door is narrow and the way is is very straight. He said straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Straight means very narrow, very close, very small. Few, be, few there be that find it. 
Right. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be therein. Are you going down the way of the least traveled? Mm. Man. Now, it's interesting. In my own mind, but, but you know, everyone's at a different place in time, right, in their walk here. And in my mind, there's a lot of things me personally I want to now implement and take more serious, right? A hundred percent more serious. And this level of serious I I I have yet to even experience, right? That's me personally. So I've gathered a lot of like kind of calls to action and things for myself as you've talked and and I, things I want to strive for, right? Um but that being said, you know, everyone's at a different place. So if you could coach or advise or give any of these listeners some some baby steps, let's just, let's just say some of this resonated with them to an extent, but it's not really having that impact. What would be like some direction, some, some, some simple steps that they, they might could take? In, in the uh, book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, <clears throat> Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. <clears throat> so the degree that we're willing to open up the door to our life is in direct proportion to the degree that we allow God to come into our life. Mm. If we just open it up a little bit, like I did when I was 12, opened it up he, for him to be my Savior, he came in, I was saved. I'm sure that if I died, I would have gone to heaven. But it wasn't until I opened up the door of my whole life mm. that he became Lord of my whole life, not just my Savior. It's like you stepped through the door. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So let's, let's close with this prayer, perhaps, because my wife is texting me and I do have to go. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hear that happening. So, All right. Uh, maybe you repeat this with me. Let me lead you in the prayer. And those that are listening, say this with me. <clears throat> And I'll say this, <clears throat> if at the end of this prayer, there's anything in it you do not agree with, at the end there is an amen, which means, amen means as it is said, so let it be done. You just withhold that amen, and the words of this prayer will fall to the ground and won't word. mean a single thing. Right. But if you say these words, God will take you at your word. Hmm. Amen. Are you willing for that? Are you ready for that? Let's do a repeat prayer. That sounds fun. Say, oh God. Oh God. I come to you today. I come to you today. With all sincerity of heart. With all sincerity of heart. I want to know you better. I want to know you better. I want to love you more. I want to love you more. I want to hear your voice clearer. I want to hear your voice clearer. I want to walk closer to you. I want to walk closer to you. No matter what the cost. No matter what the cost. Amen. Amen. If amen. You, if you prayed that prayer and you mm. said that amen, things are about to change. Don't be afraid. No. Because everything that begins to change from here on out, God is orchestrating to lead you into the answer to that prayer. It has begun today. Right. I mean, folks... Give it up for Arthur. What a blessed man. I feel, I feel your spirit today again. I thank you for that. This has brightened my day. Beautiful. You're already impacting one listener right across the table from you. And guys, we're all visiting here. We're visiting. Does that truck really matter? Oh, it's, it's what we could do for each other that matters. And I'm help us create that community. Let's get behind this man. Let's support him in the message he he shared today. Let's share this. I'll uh, say this to you. Yes. If that truck matters to you, it matters to God. Oh, there we go. But you got to be willing to put it aside if he puts his finger on it. Right. Because that truck could be a means to an end. Yep. That truck could move neighbors. Can do all sorts of things right is that is that truck surrendered to him you see wow that's right that's that's beautiful wow i'm glad don't, you don't threw that in there don't be afraid of god 
no. don't be afraid of what he asks you to give up. Right. Because what you receive from him is multiplied times more than you ever give. Right. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, shaken together, pressed down and running over. You see. Onward, upward. <laughs> Guys, even in this crazy world where evil has truly shown its face on on the main stage of this world, main front and center, we still live in a land of abundance. We still have the choice to seek the light and a pure connection. And that is what's fueling me. That's what excites me. I hope it fuels you and excites you, especially going into this season. God bless you all for joining us today. And uh, hope to have you back on soon, Arthur. Thank you so much for your time. Amen. All right. Bless you, folks.